time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. And welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. It is a Friday morning, and I'm going to tackle in this podcast the question, how can you know if you're really growing in Christ? I mean, how do you know if you're actually making progress? I mean, getting anywhere, going somewhere spiritually. How do you know that you're just not doing the same thing over and over again? I mean, how can you tell? How can you get stronger and more mature in Christ? In fact, that's the goal of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus Christ, to become more mature in the faith. And one of the problems we see in the church today is that there are many people who've been in church maybe all their lives and they're really not getting any better. They're not getting any stronger, not getting any more like Jesus. They're just going to church and doing Christian things. So how can you have an idea that you are actually making progress? Well, I'd like to give you sort of five principles that I have observed in the lives of believers from Scripture and in the lives of believers that I have known over the past 30 plus years in ministry that I've watched and I've seen those who have just stagnated in their faith, never gone anywhere. They're adults and they're no different than they were when they were teenagers in terms of, of advancing in the, in the faith. And then there are those that have really embraced maturity and have really gone on and grown up in the Lord. Well, what's the difference between the two? Well, I want to give you five contrasts that I think will help you just in terms of giving your thoughts something to wrap themselves around so that you can begin to think about the Christian life in a certain way. And these are these are fairly profound things. They're not, they're not original to me, obviously. They're in the scriptures, but I'm just putting them in, in a form that hopefully will make a, uh, make a difference to you and, and help you out in, in your Christian life. So here they are. Here are five ways to know that you're going somewhere in your spiritual life, that you're growing in Christ. Number one is that events go from events to processes. You, you, you don't look at the Christian life as an event based faith. It's more of a process. So what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, the Christian life is a process. You're born in Christ, you're born again, and you're nurtured as a, as an infant spiritually. You grow into being a toddler, into, you know, pre-adolescence, adolescence, and eventually into adulthood, into full maturity. And of course, we never get full maturity until we're raptured or until we go to be with the Lord through death. But here are five ways that you can know that you are actually growing and going somewhere in your Christian life. Here are five principles. Number one, event turns into process. Event turns into process. In other words, the Christian life is not a series of collective activities that you attend or that you do. And that somehow when you stack all those together or, you know, put them in a, in a blender and mix them all up, well, then you've, you get maturity out of it. That's, that's not the way it works. The whole Christian life is a process. Philippians 1 6 says, For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's describing this whole 
process of our salvation being worked out into our lives. In fact, we see that same principle over in chapter 2 of Philippians, where Paul says in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but also more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what he's saying there is that you you got salvation, but working it out means allowing the process of salvation to play itself out into your life, in your daily life. So you don't look at being with God as a quiet time. You don't look at going to church as going to church. You look at those things as parts of a greater process of sanctification and of working out your salvation. And that's the very reason why you need to try to be faithful to be at your church, especially if your church is a Bible preaching church, because that pastor has labored for hours upon hours upon hours to prepare something for you. It's a labor of love. And what he's probably doing is building on what he did the week before. So he's linking truths together. He's teaching you something. Imagine if you were going to training for a new job. And the new job was something, uh, let's say you were going to be an aircraft mechanic or something. And you went to one training session that covered uh, uh, basic maintenance. And then you, you skipped a few. Then you came back and then they're building the new training based upon what you learned in the previous two sessions. But guess what? You weren't there. See, we think that it really doesn't matter that, you know, if we skip or we don't go or we don't hear, it's not that big a deal. But God, the Holy Spirit, wrote the Bible in such a way that it would build upon itself in our lives. And when we have this sort of staccato type approach to Bible study, personal Bible study, or small group Bible study, or uh, to church itself, then it's just like, you know, listening to parts of a song, but not the song, not the, you know, the flow of the song. It's like going to see a movie but just skipping ahead and not knowing what goes in between the times that you skip those scenes. So when you look at your Christian life like an, like an event, you just say, well, I went to this event twice this month. I went to this event. And they're sort of disconnected. But that's not how the Christian life is. It's all a process. So when you begin to see God working in your life in a process like uh, development of you as opposed to just oh, this is an event I go to, then you are beginning to see continuity and a sense of fluidity to your faith. That's number one. Number two, so event to process. Secondly, friendship becomes fellowship. Friendship becomes fellowship. You know, I fear many times in the church today that we are content just to have Christian friends, as great as those friendships may be. I mean, they may do things for you, may provide a certain sense of significance for you or happiness or whatever, or maybe they help you fill up your Instagram feed, or maybe they like things that you post on social media, whatever. But we're in a culture right now that is friendship happy, but it's not real friendships. It's just the illusion of having a lot of friends. 
Well, the Bible knows about what friendship is all about, but the Bible doesn't stop there. The Bible moves from friendship to fellowship, and that is the goal of every Christian in the body of Christ. Now, listen, you may be in a house church, you may be in a mega church, but either way, your goal is for that circle of, of friends to not just be really good acquaintances or even people you share stuff with, but that you move on to fellowship. Now, what, is, what does that mean, fellowship? Well, the word fellowship in the Bible is the Greek word koinonia, and it means to have a partnership with someone or to share something deeply in common with them. And when we break past those superficial barriers where we're just we're sharing things about, you know, job and sports and, you know, the camp and trip we went on, and, you know, the, the, our kids. I mean, those are all good things, but you got to go far further than that. You got to get down to where life really happens. You got to start talking about things like hurts and goals and joys and challenges and struggles that you have. When you start breaking down those barriers, you start finding out that, that friendship is taking on a whole new meaning. And now you're actually connecting with these people on a much, much deeper level. See, that's the idea that Paul wrote about in Galatians 6, verses 1 and 2, where he says, Brethren, if any, if any of you is caught in a trespass or a sin, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. When I was pastoring this small community church in, uh, in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, for 10 years, we had a, a phrase. And everybody in the church knew this phrase. When I would say, if somebody over on this side of the room stubs their toe, somebody over here is going to say, and then they all responded, ouch. That's what fellowship is all about. When you're so close to someone that you are in touch with their hurts, with their struggles in life, with what's going on with them. And, and there's none of this walk into the church and smile and, you know, pretend and all this other stuff. But there's some deep sharing going along. And that's one of the purposes of of the church itself. But it's also the purpose of community groups or small groups or little churches or whatever you do, you know, during the week time where you have a smaller gathering of people who may or may not be in the same season of life as you are. Either way, the point is, is that we may call them community groups or life groups, but get, hey, guess what? Is there real community there? Is life being shared? Or are we just eating a meal together and talking about a few little spiritual tidbits? I mean, there's got to be a group of people, and I'm not saying you, you share your deepest, darkest secrets with everybody in the world, but I'm saying there's got to be a small group of Christians that you feel free to let down your guard and be yourself with, and that they can do the same thing with you. And then, guess what? As this passage says, we help one another. We bear one another's burdens. And that may involve meeting physical needs, financial needs, emotional needs, relational needs, uh, you know, food needs, electric bill needs. I mean, whatever it might mean, it means that we, we rally around each other. And so what that does is it also means that we our conversations, not always and not 24-7, but our conversations go deeper than just the superficial things. We actually talk about the Bible with each other. We talk about spiritual things with each other. I mean, really spiritual things. We discuss 
doctrine with each other. We discuss the Bible with each other. I'll never forget there was a, um, a time in college when I was a part of this um, student leadership group, and the leader of the group would, uh, would, would open the group and with prayer, and we'd jump in the Bible together. And after, you know, I don't know, a couple of months of doing this, one of the guys in the group said, hey, man, can I ask a question here? Why do we always have to talk about the Bible and spiritual things when we get together? And the leader responded, well, bud, that's because spiritual people talk about spiritual things. The end. So if you're a part of a spiritual group, you're going to talk about spiritual things. If you're a shallow or weak group, you're going to talk about weak and shallow things. If you're just a good old group of friends, then you'll talk about friendship stuff. But friendship has to move to fellowship. That's number two. Number three is when belief turns into behavior. Belief turns into behavior. Now, now, if, you, if you've listened to anything I've ever said on these podcasts or you know anything about my ministry or my books, you know that, I, that belief is paramount to me, that we must know what we believe and why we believe it. However, it can't just be intellectual assent. We can't just be believing certain truths. We have to be, be moving those beliefs onto behavior to our lives. In fact, that's what the, uh, the verses back in, um, in Philippians uh, where Paul was talking about, you know, God working in you, uh, he, he goes on to say something else that's really cool there in Philippians chapter 2. And this is what he says in verses 14 through 15. He says, uh, do all things uh, with, without grumbling or disputing, that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as lights in the world. So, in other words, he's saying, look, you know, you can say you believe all the right things. And, you know, the world didn't really care what you believe. The world really cares how you behave. Now, God cares what you, what you believe and God cares how you behave. But the world only really cares what you do. They don't really care what you believe privately. But when those beliefs that impact your behavior and your behavior starts to impact the world, then the world takes notice of our, of our beliefs so our behavior is a great way to show the world what we really believe. So we have to make sure that we don't just we aren't just content to say, well, I believe this, I believe this. Those beliefs have to inform our actions, our relationships, and everything else we do in the world. So again, not just intellectual belief, but it has to be practically applied to our lives. So that's number three. Number four is we know that we're growing and moving and going somewhere in Christ when our duty turns to delight when our duty turns to delight. You know, there's a verse in Psalm 37, verse 4, that says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that verse is just simply saying that if we find our greatest pleasure in God, then we're going to begin to experience desires that reflect that in our lives. That's the best way I know to explain that verse. If we get our pleasure and delight in God, then we're going to begin to experience desires that reflect that delight in God. In other words, our, the Christian life becomes, it goes from being a have to to a want to, you know? And that's when you know your heart's really being changed is when you suddenly have desires for things you didn't have before, good things, you know? And, and you don't feel like it's an obligation to do what you know you should do for God, but it's more of a, hey, I get to do this. It's more of a privilege to do this. And so uh, there's not so much an emphasis on rules, but more of an emphasis on our relationship with God. We do things because we want to, um, not because we have to. And we find there's so much available for us there uh, when we do that. And so that's a very big indication 
that we're beginning to move from from just in infancy, spiritually speaking, to more uh, maturity is that we actually have desires and delight in doing these things. So when event becomes process, when friendship becomes fellowship, when belief becomes behavior, when duty becomes delight, and then one more thing, it's when our effort becomes fruit, organic fruit, when our effort becomes organic fruit. You see, we spend a lot of our early Christian lives trying. We try to do this, try to do that. We try to be good. We try to be loving. We try to be kind. We try to be patient. We try to have self-control. We try all these things. And then we learn, like Paul did in Romans 7, is like, try and don't cut it. And we have to learn to trust. We have to learn uh, to abide, as as Jesus said in John 15. We have to learn to to be filled with the Holy Spirit, as Paul said in, in Ephesians 5.18. And the word filled means to be controlled by. In other words, as we learn to surrender our lives to the Holy Spirit, then guess what happens? He begins doing things in us. In other words, he produces things in us that we cannot produce in ourselves. Now, we can imitate those things, but we can't maintain them. And they're not organic. They're like that, like we used to have growing up this fake plastic fruit, you know, plastic bananas, plastic oranges, plastic apples, and this bread tray. And they were made of wax, actually. <laughs> some were wax, some were plastic, but they looked real. And if you didn't look closely, you wouldn't know the difference. Well, that's the same way it is with the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. We want that fruit to be organic. So that's why Galatians 5, 23 says this. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. In other words, what he's saying there is, when he says it's the fruit of the Spirit, that word of means it's the fruit that comes from the Spirit. In other words, it doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from trying or having effort. It comes from, well, fruit. I mean, it comes from the vine, right? It's like my wife has this garden. She's planted these things in the ground, and things are starting to come up. That's the way it's supposed to be. But none of the plants grunt or groan or complain or shout or sweat, trying, all this. No, it's abide. Let, let the soil do what the soil is supposed to do. Let the sunshine do what the, what the sunshine is supposed to do. Let the water nourish the, and then guess what happens? Naturally, fruit will come. If fruit doesn't come, something's wrong. So what God is saying is that if we learn to allow the Holy Spirit over time as the process like we talked about, then you know what's going to happen? We're going to begin to see things starting to develop in our lives. Now, it doesn't mean we're perfect at it. We grow in that as well. But it's the kind of love that can only come from the Spirit. It's the kind of self-control that you don't have. It's the kind of patience and peace and joy that can only come from God. And those are some of the things, some of the principles, this effort becoming fruit. Those are some of the five principles that are, are glaring indications that you're moving from infancy to maturity in your Christian faith. They show that you are moving forward. So maybe you should take those five principles, event to process, friendship to fellowship, belief to behavior, duty to delight, and effort to fruit. Take those principles and begin to ask God to help you see your life like that. Well, God, I want to be a person who's in process, who's having fellowship, who's who's behaving like you want me to behave out of a heart of of delight in you 
And then through that, we'll see the fruit of the Spirit begin to come forth in your life. So those are some of the ways you can know that you're growing. Don't try to grow. Just abide in Him and seek Him every day, and God will grow you. Hey, have a great weekend, and I'll see you on Monday on the Vintage Truth Podcast. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.